So if you will, let's get into this word. If you have your Bible, you have your electronic device, I made sure to bring my paper Bible to make this declaration on this morning. If you hold it up so we can do our declaration, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer and not just a hearer. And my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. Amen. Let's get into this. Okay, so we are going to start with our foundational scripture. And it's coming from Luke 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. We're going to skip down to verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. We're finishing here in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Father God, we just honor you. We bless you for this day. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to just be a worshiper at your feet, Father, bringing your word forth, Father. I pray that every ear be opened, every mind be ready to receive of you, Father, and allow me to step behind the throne of grace, Father, so your glory can truly be seen and heard and witnessed on this day. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Okay, so the last couple of weeks, Pastor has been challenging us to get into our word. And it has been just that, a challenge, okay? Has it been a challenge for anybody in the place? Amen. And so two weeks ago, he first started with showing us how we can get into our word, be that devotionally, systematically, or topically. Now, myself, how I usually study and read the word, I kind of do devotionally and topically, um, but I was challenged to do systematically because I'm just going to be real. There's a couple of books that I stray away from, okay, (laughs) Revelation, (laughs) you know, that just seems like, oh, it's a little bit maybe too advanced for me. Maybe I'm just not there yet that I can understand it all the way. So I've, I've left a lot of those things alone. But since that challenge, I have, you know, began to pick it up and like, all right, I'm gonna read the entire word because all of it is profitable, okay? Ain't that what the words say? And so then last week, He began to show us how we can go into the word and really begin to divide the scriptures, especially the tough ones, Um, how to ask the text the questions, how to search the text for the answers, how to use the biblical dictionary and our concordance and, and, of course, prayer and all these different things to help us really bring out what the word is saying. But not just in tough scriptures, in all, okay? I like to... Every time I go into the Word and I read something, it doesn't matter if I've read it a hundred times or one time. Every time we go in, we got to go in as if we know nothing and come fresh slate, you know, clean slate every single time. And so those were great things for us to use and apply every day. But I want to really, you know, challenge those of you who maybe have not yet taken the challenge. 
to read your word. And if there's someone in here who has not yet said, okay, yeah, I'm going to pick up this word. I'm going to get into it. I really want to encourage you with kind of a little testimony about how I got into the word. So 2015, I was saved. I was here at EMCC. And I had always been brought up in church, so I knew that reading the word, you know, was something I needed to do. But it felt like, mm, I don't really know how to do that. I don't know. And the enemy would play on my top, as the kids say. Ain't that what they say? He'd play on my top. He would whisper these lies to me and tell me these certain things about reading my word that kept me from reading the word. And I want to kind of debunk some of those because I feel as if there might be some other people in the house that might be going through these same things that's keeping you from picking up the word. So number one, the first lie he would begin to tell me would be, you don't even like to read. Mm, well, okay. Which made sense because I wasn't someone that ever would just like pick up a novel and like, you know, cozy up and read or read articles in a newspaper or anything like that. That's just not something I usually do. The next lie he would begin to tell me would say, well, even if you do decide to read, you really ain't got a lot of time. Okay, which also kind of made sense to me. I was, you know, a full-time worker, and I took care of my house full-time and all those things. So I was believing, you know, these lies. I was accepting them to be truth, and so I wasn't reading my word. The third one, he would begin to say, well, if you're reading your word or if you're taking the time, you probably ain't going to understand it. And that's the one that kind of healed me for a little minute. But I want to debunk those lies just in case there's anybody in the house that's struggling with any of those. Number one, reading your word is not really like reading. It's more of a conversation. Reading the word is speaking with the Father through his written text. And we all like to talk. Amen? You might not like to talk to everybody, but you like to talk to somebody. And so talking with God through the word is really what you're doing. It's really not even like you're just cuddled up reading. Number two, reading the word really doesn't take much more time than scrolling on your phone, Watching a Netflix series, because let's be real, we'll get caught up on a whole series, not just one show, okay? Watching Netflix series, scrolling on Facebook, talking to your friends on the phone. And as we saw two weeks ago, Pastor even showed us how 11 minutes a day, now I know y'all got 11 minutes, 11 minutes a day will get you through the word systematically front to end in a year. Y'all, that's nothing. 11 minutes. We could get up 11 minutes earlier or, or go to bed 11 minutes earlier to take that time to read that before we go to sleep, we can get that 11 minutes in. Number three, reading the word begins to explain itself as you dive into it. Don't let the enemy tell you you ain't going to even understand what you're reading because that is a false thing. That is a lie, okay? As we even saw last week, you ask the text the questions, and then you search the text for the answers. It's in there. And if you come to a point where it starts to be, contradictory or it seems contrary, it seems like, all oh, this ain't lining up, it's probably our understanding. And we also have, then we have our bi biblical dictionary, then we have our commentary, then we have our concordance, we got prayer, we got Holy Spirit, we got all these things available to us to make the word make sense to us. And so I just want to encourage those, okay, who have not yet said, all right, I'm going to take on that challenge, I'm going to read that, I'm going to pick this word up and I'm going to read it. I really want to encourage you to pick your word up and read the word of God. Study the word of God. Divide the scriptures, y'all. Do it, okay? But for those of us, okay, who have said, you know what? I've been slacking. I ain't been doing it. I might do it every once in a while. 
I might pick up my word here and there. I might read one, my, my verse of the day and let it go, if even that. But you said, I'm going to pick this word up. I'm going to take this challenge on, and I'm really going to dive into the word. To those, of you, to those of us who have done that, the word of God has been speaking to you. Amen? You've been diving into that word, and that word has been speaking back to you. But what do you do when the word speaks to you? How are you supposed to respond when the word of God is speaking? And that's really what we want to get in today. But even before that, I want to prove to you, especially for those who haven't picked up the word yet, and for those who are getting ready to, and those who have but maybe not have recognized that the word is speaking to you, I want to prove to you that the word does speak and the word is alive, okay? So we're going to start here in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, this is so we, we don't have to read anything else if we didn't want to. This, this says it improves it all. But this is so good because the word of God is so active. It is so alive that upon reading it, okay, you get taught, you get corrected, you get trained, Okay, upon reading it, y'all, that's power. That is power. And it says that the man of God may be complete, which is also good because another word for complete there is, is uh, perfected. And that process is happening through our sanctification process, which is our process from salvation to death. That's our sanctification process. And the word of God is used in that processing. In Luke 24 and 32, the word says that they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Now, yes, this is Jesus, but Jesus is the living word of God, okay? And as he is speaking with the disciples, he's conversating with them, he's talking with them. These things are being highlighted in their hearts. They're being shown in their hearts like, hey, this is, this is something different. This is something new. This is something transforming. His words are transforming their hearts as they're walking and talking with him. In Hebrews 4 and 12, for the word of the Lord of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Man, that's so good. It is alive and active, y'all, that it has the ability upon you reading it, upon you dividing the word, it has the ability to divide you back. Amen. It has the ability to separate your, your thoughts, your intentions, your desires, your ambition, your will apart from the spirits. That is a good thing. Okay. Let's continue. Jeremiah 23 and 29. It says that is not my word like fire declares the Lord and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, and we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed work in you who believe. Now, that's super good, and that almost tells about my whole message, but it's so good because it's saying they received the word of God as the word of God, not human word, and that it was so powerful for them that as soon as they believed, it began a transformative work in their hearts. Y'all, we got a living word of God, okay? And our last scripture here, um, Matthew 4 and 4, Jesus answered, it is written, 
Y'all, we just talked about the power of it is written in this week's um, small groups. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, we can definitely see through these scriptures that the word of God is speaking, okay? It's 100% certain that the word of God is speaking. If you are going into the word of God, if you are interacting with the word of God, the word of God is surely speaking and pouring into your life. And so what are we to do with this? How are we to respond to this? In our foundational text, we see that in um, Luke 1 and 26, that Gabriel comes to Mary and he's given her this beautiful message, this beautiful promise that she is soon to bring Jesus into the world. But before um, Gabriel comes to Mary, he comes to Zechariah. So before we get into how we should respond, okay, I want us to take a second and look at how we should not respond. So in Luke 1, okay, verse 5 through um, 20, we're going to skip around a little bit. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Now, this is good because Zechariah, him and his wife, they're righteous before God. They're being used of God, and they're believing God for this promise. They're believing God for a son, although they have been barren and they are old in age. They're still believing God. They're still praying on this thing. And now the angel is here to give them the answer to that prayer. So we're going to skip down to verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Now, this is great news, too. They've been praying for this thing. They've been believing for this thing. And now the angel of the Lord not only has come to give them an answer, but the answer is yes. How many times you done prayed for something and the answer was no? <laughs> it was absolutely not. But that is not the case here. The case here is that Zechariah and his wife have been praying and believing, and now the angel of the Lord is coming to this holy place where he is working and being used of the Lord, and the word of the Lord is your answer is yes. You about to have a son, and not only are you going to have a son, it's going to come through your wife who has been barren. That is good news. That is good news. And you would think that Zechariah's response would be joy, but Let's get into what his response is. Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. Now, this is kind of crazy when you start to really study this, that it's, it's, it's telling us in verse 5 through 7 that Zechariah and Elizabeth are righteous before God. They are blameless in keeping the statutes, keeping the laws of God, which says to me that they know the word of God. They've been reading what's available for t- to them at this period of time. And so it's even crazier than when you realize that, that you have to know that Zechariah knows about Abraham and Sarah, right? He got to know that this is possible. 
Abraham and Sarah were old in age. Okay, Sarah was barren. They didn't have any children. They wanted children, but they didn't have them. They even took it a step further. They, they took it up on themselves. And, and Sarah got her hand, him, her hand servant, her handmaiden, to be with um, Abraham to bring forth a son, but then wasn't pleased with that because that wasn't what the promise was. And so we know that Zechariah knows that God has this ability, but for whatever reason, Zechariah says, I believe it for them, but I don't believe it for me. Now, how many times have we maybe been in a place where, God, I can believe that for their marriage. I can believe that for their womb. I can believe that for their house. I can believe that for their children. I can believe that for their business. I can believe that for their finances. But when it comes to me and mine, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Although we have been faithful, although we have been righteous, although we have been serving the Lord and are being used of God, there may be an area that I just don't believe him in this. I don't believe he would do it for me in this. He might do it for others, but I'm just not sure if he will do it for me. And now this doubt that Zechariah has, y'all, it's so crazy. It's so intense that when he comes out of this holy place, his silence is so impactful that the people of God that were out there waiting on him are like, oh, my God, he, he must have seen God. He must have seen a vision. And he stayed silent, y'all. It doesn't tell us how long between him first becoming silent to the time it took her to conceive. There's no telling how, how much length of time that took. But then he was silent from then all the way to the day they named John, which didn't happen till days after the birth. So he is silent for this entirety of this time. And he does not begin, to, he does not have the ability to open his mouth again until the day that they named John. The people are asking him, what are you going to name him? What are you going to name him? Um, Elizabeth is telling them, we're going to name him John. They're like, how? Because ain't nobody in your family named John. And they talk to Zechariah. They talk to Zechariah. They're like, hey, what's the baby's name going to be? And God opened up his mouth and he said, his name will be John. And this is so crazy. God opened up his mouth the minute he decided to come in, to come in line with what God said. Ooh, that's good. The minute he decided to come, in, to come in line with what God said, that's the minute he got to open up his mouth and his silence was broken. And so this is so good that sometimes God will silence us so that his glory is not disrupted by our doubt. So his glory is not disrupted by our gossip. So his glory is not disrupted about our naysaying, our naysaying about what he got to say about us. We will forfeit what God has for us because of what we say and what we believe about what he has said. And so I have a story, you know, um, I wasn't silenced in the, in the degree that Zechariah was, but I have had my own experiences of doubting God. Am I alone in that? Anybody else ever doubt? Okay, amen. So a few years ago, God gave me this business idea, and um, it was going to be like this mobile trailer that was going to be a coffee, kind of like a coffee slash mocktail, okay? Hear me right, mocktail, okay? And um, I wanted to take it to wedding venues and event places and have something for people to have um, that wasn't, you know, alcohol. And the name that he gave, gave me for that was The Sip, kind of a play on, you know, Mississippi and you're sipping your, your drink type of thing. And so I was so excited about this. And, but I began to quickly um, doubt myself. I doubted what God was saying, and I pressed that thing under, well, I've never had a business before. Well, 
I don't know, I don't have enough money. Well, I don't know how my credit looks. Well, I don't, I've never, I don't know anybody else that has something like this, so who would I go to ask for help and that sort of thing? So I suppressed this thing in my heart. Although it was still something I believed God for, it was something I suppressed in my heart. So I'm driving down Pass Road one day, and there is this new construction. Um, the building hasn't been erected yet, and it's just the ground being cleared. And there's a sign outside, and it says, the SIP, coming soon. I said, oh. Now, it doesn't say what the SIP is, but it says the SIP is coming soon. So I'm like, my goodness. I said, okay, well, God, I'm still this is still something I want. It's still something in my heart. I still believe you gave me this. Like, okay, maybe can you help me come up with another name? So I go before God, and I'm like, I need another name. And so the name he gave me was Stir, like you're stirring your coffee, Stir, S-T-I-R. I was like, yeah, that's good. That's clever. It's cute. It's short. I can see the little neon sign on the side of the little mobile trailer. It's going to be good. So about a year later, the building is erected where SIP is, and um, it has three slots in it. There's SIP. There's a, a middle opening space. And then the one on the end comes about, and the one on the end is now a business called Stir. Same building, y'all. Same building. And Stir is, an, is a, a, a wine and liquor spot. Okay. And so not only are they in the same building, literally the same building, two doors down from each other, they're both in business arenas of what I was wanting to do. Not only that, but they are on the way to everything I go to. They're on my way to church. It's on my way to church. I see it. On my way to my massage therapy location, I see it. On the way to my grocery store, I see it. When my fiancé lived in Gulfport, on the way to visit him, I see it. I'm faced with this every single day. And now this doubt that I had is brought back up in my heart like, ooh, you doubted God and now look. I may, not was, I may not have been silenced like Zachariah was, but I was so silenced in the fact that I doubted God and that thing was put to nothing for me at that point. I doubted God and I allowed this thing to come about. And at first I was so mad, y'all. I was mad. I was like, you're just going to put this in my face and allow me to drive by it every single day and have to look at it. I was like, God, why would you do that? Why would you do that? But then he began to show me that he said, hey, I, I actually allowed this to happen to be a reminder to you that I am the great I am. And because I am the great I am, you are who I say you are. And you can do what I say you can do. And you can accomplish what I have set out for you because I am the great I am. And so that was definitely a big, a big lesson for me when it comes to doubt. And anytime doubt tries to creep up in my heart, I'm quickly reminded of sip and stir, okay, that's in the same building that I pass almost every single day. I'm quickly reminded of the power and the glory and the grace of God because he, had, he, he did have grace on me, y'all. I've still opened two different businesses since then. Praise be to God. Amen. But I do not forget what doubt did and what doubt held me from in that season of my life. So we can definitely see how not to respond to the word of God if it be through an angel if it be through a prophet, if it be through the text, the written word of God, if it be through prayer, if it be through an impression in your heart, we can definitely see that how not to respond is definitely through doubt. But let's look at what the correct response is. So back to our foundational text. In Luke 1, 26, 
The Bible declares in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now I want to stop there for just a second. Because I believe her first initial response to the first part of the word of the Lord speaks to Mary's heart. The angel says, Greeting, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now, sometimes when we receive the word of the Lord like that, our response is not like, yeah, I know, I know God called me that. Our response is, how could he look at me like that? How could he see me like that? I can't tell you how many times a prophet of the Lord or, you know, God himself has said, you're favored, my daughter. I love you. I'm with you. And my response wasn't, yes, thank you, God. It was, what? How, how could that be when? How could that be if? How could that be since I, I don't even believe what God has said about me. Therefore, anything he wants to say, correct, instruct, teach after that, I don't even, I can't even accept that because I can't believe who he is and what he has said about me. So we first have to get to that place as Mary was. She was, it says right after that, that the angel gave her that response. Her response was she was troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this was, what kind of greeting this might be. To me, that is saying that she was in anticipation, expectant of what God was getting ready to say to her. She had received and accepted already what God had called her, that she said, okay, cool, what you going to say? What you going to tell me? I'm here for it. Give it to me. And I look at that like, okay, so when Pastor and Pastor I said that the retreat center was coming, and they told us that we were going to raise $40,000 in a day, okay, that was like, woo, okay. And I believe there were some people in the house that was kind of like Zechariah that was like, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. Where'd that going to come from? I got $200 in my bank, and I know some other people probably got about $200 in their bank, so well, I ain't never seen nothing like this before. How's that going to happen? They're questioning the possibility of this thing even coming. And then there was some of us that had the heart like Mary that said, ooh, that's all right. How? Tell me, tell me how so I can know what to do. Tell me how so I can know how to, how to fulfill that thing. She says in verse 34, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. She's asking about the mechanics of the thing. Tell me so I know what I need to do. I can imagine Mary saying, okay, I'm a virgin right now, so, like, are you going to want me to, like, hurry up and marry Joseph? Like, are we going to have to speed this thing along? Is that how you, like, tell me what I need to do so I can come in line with what you're saying what you're prophesying to me, what you're telling me. How can I come in line with this thing? I need to know what I need to do. And so she's asking how because she's wanting to know the mechanics of it. And at first glance, when I read this, I told Pastor, I said, well, they're both asking how, so I don't even see the difference. Like, what's going on? But Zechariah is asking about the possibility and the ability of this even happening. He's questioning God's ability and his circumstance. Mary is saying, just let me know how, and I'm with you. I'm in line. Let me know, and I will be your servant. And she confirms that with, I am the Lord's servant, verse 38. May your word to me be fulfilled. 
Now, another version of that says, be it unto me according to your word. Mary's response is a response of complete and total reliance on God, that what he says is complete truth. And in that reliance, whatever was going to happen, she was with it. She was okay with that. And that's crazy because if anybody out of the two had a, a reason to doubt, it could have been, been Mary. Like, God, you're telling me this when my family could probably look at me crazy upside my head when I tell them this? You're telling me this when the elders of the place can throw me out of the city when I turn up pregnant and me and Joseph have not married yet? You're telling me this when, you know, I, I've, I've never even seen anything like this happen? But instead, she believes in what God has said about her to be true, and she receives the word of God to be so. She says, be it unto me according to your word. And that should be our response to the word of the Lord. If it's from an angel, if it is from a messenger, if it's from a prophet, if it's through the written word of God, be it unto me according to your word. And so as we're reading through the text, and you see that the word begins to challenge you in different places, in different areas about clearing your heart and cleaning your heart, be it unto me according to your word. When you see that God is calling you blessed and say you're blessed in the city, you're blessed in your coming, you're blessed in your going, be it unto me according to your word. A few years ago, I was dealing with the aftermath of a divorce, and I had come to this place of my, my identity was being questioned. I didn't know where I stood with people. I didn't know where I stood with my family. I didn't know where I stood with my children. I didn't know where I stood with my church family. I was in a place of this in-between. I didn't know. And God began to show me through the word in Psalms 139. He brought this scripture to me. And as I read through this scripture and began to really divide the word and study this word, he began to show me that, hey, I'm with you in your, in your sitting. I'm with you in your standing. I'm with you when you're asleep. I'm with you when you were awake. I was with you before you were formed. I was with you in your mother's womb as you were entirely being put together. I was with you at the beginning of time when I said and declared that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, which when you study that thing out, it means that you have been set apart and you have been made with honor. Come on now. The, the God of all things has made you in honor and set you apart. I said, okay. Well, I didn't know it at the time, but I said, be it unto me according to your word. And I accepted that thing as truth in my heart, and my identity began to be solidified in what he has said about me. Last year, I was faced with a situation where I had hurt my back, and I was having some issues. Now, I've worked since I was 15 years old. Most of the time, I've had two jobs during that whole period of time. I took a sense of uh, worth in my, my ability to work and, and do and so I got to a place where I couldn't. I couldn't. Um, had degeneration in my L3, or I have degeneration in my L3 to S1. And so I couldn't work like I was working. Um, and they wouldn't work with me on my job. And so I was like, well, I'm going to have to step out and do my own thing. But I had so much fear. I was like, wh wh where am I? How are my bills going to get paid? Like, how am I, I going to do this? Where is this going to go? How, how am I going to? And the, the Lord began to show me in Psalms 119, 105, it says that my word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And upon studying that scripture and really studying that thing out, he began to show me that I can illuminate where you are and I can show you where I need you to go. You may not can see the end of the path, 
You may not can see how this is going to turn out. You may not can see where, what's coming around the corner, but all you need to be obedient to is that step in front of you that I've lit up in that path before you. I did not know it then, but what I was saying was, be it unto me according to your word. And I left my job, this good paying job, y'all. I left my job that had benefits in 401k and I started my massage therapy business off the word of the Lord that he was going to be with me, that he was never going to forsake me. A couple of weeks ago, okay, when pastor said, hey, I want you to minister. And I said, in what way? He said, not singing or dancing. I began to, I almost began to have doubt in my heart. And I almost forgot what the word of the Lord was to me, what, not even a month, a little over a month ago when Brad Hamby stood right here and said, you're going to have boldness in your mouth when you begin to teach. I almost forgot when Sister Africa at the beginning of this year said, I'm going to see you on that stage before the end of this year. I almost forgot what the prophets had been told me, that you're a woman that's favored and is going to stand flat-footed and teach before the people. I almost forgot what the word of the Lord was to me through the word of God and says that I got you, girl. And so I said, be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me according to your word. And that's what I want to challenge you with this final thought. That if you have been challenged by the word of God, that you have been challenged by the word of God through our pastor to, to read your word, to study the word of God. If you have been convicted to dive into the word and that word has been speaking to you, it's been challenging you. It's been bringing up stuff. It's been highlighting thoughts. It's been highlighting pieces of your heart. It's been highlighting relationships. It's been highlighting things that he wants you to do and let go of. And those things may be tough. And no matter how it may feel, no matter how it may seem, no matter how it may look, our response should be, be it unto me according to your word. Amen. Will you receive this word? on today.